My name is Annie Grossman and I'm a dog trainer. I'm the owner and co-founder of School for the Dogs, a dog training center located in Manhattan's East Village. On this podcast, I talk about dog training, interview industry experts, discuss pet trends, answer questions, and try to communicate my love for all things related to behavioral science. Thanks a lot for listening. I think this podcast will help make you the best possible human best friend any dog could ask for. I wanted to share two kind of crazy experiences I had recently that relate to behavior and dog training in my own life. I guess you could classify this kind of episode as a dear diary type episode and my three-month-old Marigold is right next to me as I'm recording this and first she had the hiccups and now she's sneezing. I think she wants to make herself known (laughs) in this episode which actually is about her in uh, in some ways. So one of these life episodes uh is I would say crazier than the other and they're both about people who I I guess you could call crazy but I feel like that's sort of a broad and sloppy term probably not particularly PC so I I think I'm gonna go with calling both these people simply bananas the first incident I wanted to talk about happened about a week ago when I was on my way home from my daughter's nursery school. I think it was her first day of nursery school. I had her with me, she's two and a half, and um, the baby. And we were waiting for the bus and the bus wasn't coming and finally the bus came and right before the bus came, a cab went by and Magnolia said, I want to take a taxi. And I said, no, honey, we're taking the bus. We got on the bus and she had a meltdown. I want to take a taxi. I want to take a taxi. Crying, screaming about how she didn't want to get on the bus. She wanted to take a cab. I had to pick her up because she was doing that toddler thing where they try and go flat on the floor. Uh, And I was also carrying the baby. I had the baby like strapped to me and the bus was really crowded and some very kind person stood up and said why don't you take my seat and meanwhile Magnolia's screaming crying the whole time and you know I felt like everyone was looking at us but not with like great anger uh, just kind of with like that (laughs) upside down smile like beaker the Muppet smile (laughs) frown Um, feeling pity for me I guess uh, but the guy who was in the seat right next to me, an older man, starts saying to me, You need to chastise that child. This is the problem with the world today. You should be chastising her. If she was my kid, I'd smack her. And at that point, I'd say two or three people nearby me 
offered to uh, get up and give me their seats. Um, but we were really only going like, I think like seven blocks. So we only had like a couple minutes left in front of us on the bus and it was hard enough getting uh, myself seated in one seat with the baby and the uh, tantruming toddler. So I didn't really want to move. So at the same time that I'm like trying to settle down Magnolia, I'm also holding her really tight because <laughs> I'm trying to protect her from the bananas man next to us. She's still crying. And I'm also thinking to myself, really? Like, does this guy really think that the problem in the world is that people don't punish their children enough? People don't chastise their children enough? Because that certainly doesn't seem like what's causing issues in the world. If anything, it's the opposite, you know? It's the fact that all over the place, people are trying to use force to change behavior, to stop behaviors they don't want without teaching behaviors they do want. I mean, certainly with dogs, but I, I think with all kinds of people and society as a whole. And even more than that, I was thinking, you know, in this moment, sure, you know, learning's happening all the time. I say that all the time on this podcast, but I didn't think that her tantruming on the bus was teaching her that it's okay to tantrum on the bus. I think she was tantruming on the bus because she was two and maybe needed a nap. And, you know, to bring it back to dogs, similar thing with puppies. A puppy that is nipping at your ankles is nipping at your ankles because the dog's a puppy. And if you did nothing about it, that does not mean the puppy's going to grow up learning that nipping at the ankles is an okay thing to do, they're going to stop doing it because they're going to stop being a puppy eventually. So in the moment, it's more about stopping the behavior because it's annoying for you, just like Magnolia tantruming was annoying for everyone in the bus. But to everyone's credit, except for the bananas man next to me, um, I, nobody seemed to be making a big deal of it because... Um, plenty of people have dealt with toddlers uh, in their lives, and um, toddlers can be moody for no good reason. But I was interested in stopping her behavior, uh, if only because I didn't want to be bothering everyone else on the bus, and also I didn't want to incite violence from the man next to us who would have liked me to smack her, as he told me over and over again. But, you know, seemed to me like a good example of why punishment is so problematic, especially in a moment where an animal is highly emotional, uh, as she was. Could I have punished her in some sort of way that would have stopped the behavior? Maybe? I suppose I could have yelled at her or hit her or done something like that. But, you know, I think that the emotional learning that would have taken place, the classical conditioning that would have taken place, the association she would have made with me and maybe with the bus or who knows what, would have been far more uh, meaningful to her in the long term it might have stopped the behavior in the moment, but 
it would have done nothing to uh, improve our relationship. And I certainly don't want her to learn by association that I am scary or unreliable or that buses are places of violence. And I'm talking about positive punishment. Negative punishment would be, you know, like uh, giving her a timeout. And I have a good friend who does a lot of timeouts with her kid, but even she points out that it's hard to do a timeout when you're out and about or you're in a public space. Sure, maybe it works when you're at home and you can go stick the kid in a corner. And it certainly seems less aversive than uh, screaming or yelling or using any kind of physical correction, but still can be problematic. Anyway, I was having all these thoughts and also trying to tend to my two very young daughters and not incite violence from Mr. Banana Pants next to me. And I'm certainly no expert at (laughs) any of this stuff. I've only been a parent for a couple of years and I'm just figuring it out. So I did something that you can't do with dogs, which I figured was worth a shot. I just spoke to Magnolia and told her what was up. And I said, you know, I know you're really upset. Oh, that's another sort of thing about dogs, too. You know, with dogs, we so often get tied up in, like, the reason for their behavior. When, like, the reason... I mean, she was upset because she wanted to take a cab. It didn't really make any sense. But, you know, young animals are emotional. I mean, even older animals can be (laughs) emotional for, for no reason that makes any sense. Anyway, I said to her, I know you're upset. I know you wanted to take a taxi, but we're on the bus now, we're almost home, and your behavior is really bothering everyone around us, so can you just try and be sad and upset in a more quiet manner until we get home, and then you can scream and cry as loud as you want to. And it worked, which honestly sort of surprised me. I wasn't really sure it would work, I just did not know what else to do in that moment. So. She'd settled down. I continued to hold her tight along with the baby. I wanted to turn to the guy next to me and say, ha, but I didn't. I said to him, I'm really sorry. She's been so annoying. And then we just sat there quietly for the last two minutes of the bus ride while he continued next to me saying under his breath, she should be chastised. The second anecdote from my life that I want to share, I promise, relates more to dogs than the first one, although it's gonna take me a minute to get to the dog part of the story. It happened just about exactly eight weeks ago. I know this because Marigold just turned 12 weeks and she was three weeks old at the time. It was a Saturday morning and my husband had taken our older daughter to the playground to let me sleep in a little bit because I'm up all night with the baby. I was in bed. I was only wearing my underwear. The baby was next to me in her bassinet and I heard the front door open and close and I thought it was weird because um, they had just left, and I thought, well, I guess maybe they forgot something and came back, but then Poppy, our dog, started barking like crazy, which also seems strange because she doesn't normally bark at my husband when he comes through the door, 
but I was like basically asleep, so I wasn't processing totally what was going on. Anyway, next thing I know, there's this young, clean-cut man standing over my bed. And he says to me, someone's trying to kill me. And I started screaming, and (laughs) he was like, no, 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 don't scream. You have to help me. Someone's trying to kill me. And I grabbed the baby. Poppy was barking at the guy like mad. I was saying like, who are you? Get out of my house. He wasn't like violent seeming at all. He actually seemed sort of scared himself, but I was pretty petrified by the whole situation. I managed to grab like a a hoodie to throw around myself and uh, wearing nothing else but my underwear grabbed the baby and ran out the door, ran into the street, grabbed the first person I saw walking down the street and said, hey, I, I need to call 911 and I need to call my husband. And again, I, I, you know, I was half naked in the street with a three-week-old. Um, I'm sure I looked like the crazy person in that moment. My heart was racing. I sat down on the sidewalk waiting for whatever was going to happen next. And then I realized, oh my God, I left Poppy in the apartment. You know, I was so focused on getting the baby out of the apartment. And Poppy was running around the apartment chasing the guy, which, you know, really is kind of what you want a dog to do in that situation. And while I understand my own instinct to just get myself out and the baby out, I sat downstairs outside my apartment pretty stressed out by the idea that I had just left her in the apartment with this stranger who seemed paranoid and like he was having some sort of some sort of psychotic episode and was he going to hurt her fortunately I really do think he was well I mean not fortunately for him but I guess fortunately for me I, he, I really don't think he was violent. I don't think his intentions were bad. I think he really was having some sort of mental break and was looking for help. After I ran out of the apartment, he ended up going upstairs to my neighbor's apartment and pleaded with her to help him. I actually don't think he even broke in because later on we learned that our front door had been broken. We live in a really sort of old crappy building and we didn't realize it, but the the doorknob was broken in such a way where the door could be pushed open and had been like that although uh, my husband and I hadn't noticed and and the apartment door uh, wasn't locked we do usually lock it but I, it was the middle of the day and um, my husband didn't lock it when he left to go to the playground the police ended up coming taking him away He didn't take anything from anyone. He did not hurt anyone. I hope he received some uh, mental health help. And everyone was fine, and we all went on with our lives just fine. All of us except for Poppy. Poppy was really traumatized. I would diagnose her as having doggy PTSD and... I've talked about this on the podcast before uh, in some other situations about how socialization is something that's 
happening always. We talk often about puppy socialization, but like I said earlier, we're always learning, animals are always learning. And I believe the more experiences an animal has, the more they are going to be able to deal with new experiences without major stress. One time I heard Ken Ramirez, uh, who used to train at the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago, talk about how he wanted the animals he was working with there to be so well socialized, to be so accustomed to unusual things happening and those unusual things being no big deal, that if the roof blew off the place, the sea otters or whatever would just think, oh, this must be just another one of these silly humans doing a training exercise with us. But the reality is sometimes scary stuff happens that we can't control. And the bar for what might freak out a person or a dog uh, is going to be lower or higher based on the individual. Our trainer and my good friend Anna Ostroff's dog Ginger one time was out walking with her and a guy on a skateboard uh, skated up really quickly right past them and it was quite scary to Ginger and after that she developed a real phobia of being outside from, from that single experience. And that can happen. Of course, the same thing might have happened to another dog and uh, they wouldn't have cared at all. I mean, I guess you could kind of say the same thing about this guy coming into our apartment. I mean, by the time uh, my husband came back from the playground with our older daughter, I was like pretty much fine and like ready to talk about what we were gonna do for lunch. And my husband was like, wow, you know, I think if, if the same thing had happened to my ex-wife, she would have uh, taken to bed and spent the rest of the day hyperventilating, which, you know, might not have been an inappropriate response. Anyway, I could tell right away that Poppy had been quite freaked out, and the experience of helping her over the last couple of months has been interesting. It's, it's been a good learning experience for me, and it's also been sort of interesting to watch other people deal with um, a dog who has fear issues and it's it's made me um, think about my assumptions and other people's assumptions too. Firstly it's made me think about generalizations. You'll often hear people talk about how dogs are not good at generalizing which I think is sort of funny because it people say it often as if you humans are good at generalizing and dogs aren't, whereas I think humans are also pretty bad <laughs> at generalizing. I mean, I knew a guy who had a bad experience dating a Gemini and refused to date Geminis after that. I at first thought that Poppy might be scared of black men. The guy in the apartment was black. So I started thinking, okay, I need to arrange to have different friends of mine who are black and male come over 
ideally, I don't know, every day, every other day, so I can work doing some counter conditioning with her. But it turns out I was wrong and that her fear was not attached to people based on gender or skin color. At first, at least, she was basically scared of any new person at all coming through the door. And we have two doors in our apartment, uh, two entrances, and it was the door the guy had come through that was really triggering for her. She definitely seemed more scared of men in general than of women or children, but an overall high level of fear relating to anybody coming through the door that she did not already know. In that first couple days, or at least at least the first day, the next day, she also was scared of any men that she saw on the street. I think probably her cortisol levels were still really high. She still wasn't quite herself. And uh, that first day, or maybe it was the next day, I was out walking her and uh, a guy walked by. He was with a woman and Poppy barked at him which I'd never seen her do on the street. She wasn't barking like crazy, like mad or anything, but she she did bark at him and he turned around and went, hey, which, you know, wasn't helpful. Um, It scared me. I have to imagine it further scared Poppy as well. And it was like, it was like his knee jerk reaction and kind of made me think about, now that I'm talking about it now, it makes me think about the guy on the bus freaking out about the toddler crying. I mean. Toddlers cry sometimes, dogs bark sometimes. These are not inherently bad behaviors, so chill the F out. I don't believe Poppy was attempting to show that she was dominant over this dude. Uh, I think she was just scared. Anyway, the good news is her behavior on the street uh, has been totally fine, except for that one next day where every every little thing seemed to push her over the edge but it was pretty evident from the start that i was going to need to do some work with her inside on helping her learn to feel okay again about new people coming into our apartment and you know it's funny because the realization that i now had this behavioral problem that my dog really needed therapy in order to to um, get better about. I have to say it has made me more empathetic, uh, empathetic to our clients because firstly, you can, as a trainer, go in and say, this is how you do counter conditioning and you need to set up trial situations and you need to make sure that there aren't people coming into your home at random times when you're not prepared. But the reality of doing that stuff is really hard. I mean, I wrote to six men that I know, men of all different skin colors. Like I said, men have been more of a trigger to her than women. So I wrote to men who she doesn't know to see if I could arrange a time for them to come over so that I could work with her. Didn't hear back (laughs) from a single one of these friends, which didn't really surprise me only because I know as a professional dog trainer, I have uh, definitely done work before getting people to behave as decoys with dogs who have 
various issues and it can be hard. It can be hard to get people to volunteer to work with a dog who has fear issues that have to do with them in particular. And it can also be really hard to control the comings and goings in my apartment. I'll talk about more about that in a second. Um, but the other thing is, it was the first time in my life where I thought, oh my God, I really need a professional dog trainer to come in and help me. And at first I thought, you know, I need an outside opinion. I need someone else to look at this um, with a different set of eyes. And then I realized I th that I didn't need that as much as I just needed someone else to help me do the work. I mean, I love I love training dogs. It's it's you know the thing that I'm more passionate about um, than anything else, uh, at least work-wise. Um, but I have a lot going on. <laughs> I run a business. I have two tiny kids. I do this podcast. And uh, so I really found myself thinking, I, I do wish that I could outsource this. And I found myself envious of clients of ours who can afford to have a trainer come two, three days a week for an hour and just work with their dogs. Uh, we call it day training when we do training where the owner uh, isn't there. And uh, I haven't ruled out signing up Poppy to do some day training with someone on our staff to give me a, a little bit of a hand, which I could definitely use. And I do get uh, preferential pricing as it is my own business. I guess I'm just saying that I see it as a financial commitment that our clients make when they maybe even could do the work themselves. It's not that they don't understand how to do the work, but it sure can be helpful to have someone come in and just do trial after trial with your dog. Someone who is really setting aside the time to do the work that needs to be done. It's, it's a luxury to be able to afford a trainer who can come do that, but it's so awesome that we have clients who do do that with their dog who who really are paying for therapy for their dogs to help their dogs be happier and and um and exist in a more peaceful way so i guess it's given me a newfound appreciation uh for my own profession because um i know what to do but that doesn't preclude me from wanting to outsource some of the work. So the day after the incident, we had some friends come over with their two young daughters. They had never met Poppy before. And with hindsight, uh, I maybe should have not had them come over, but I wasn't aware really of what the problem was yet. And Poppy really freaked out. And their two little kids were a little fearful of dogs. And I was managing my two little kids. It was a lot. So I opted to put Poppy in her crate in the other room. 
some food in a puzzle toy and some treats. And I think I put peanut butter and a marrow bone for her and she was okay. And I think it's a really good reason to make sure you have a dog that is not only comfortable going in a crate, but for whom the crate is kind of like a safe, happy spot because the crate really has become that for Poppy. As long as she was in the crate, she seemed pretty okay with having um, strangers in the other room. I think she felt protected there. The second time someone came over was, I don't know, maybe a week after that, one of my husband's uh, students came by. He is a, a professor, and this guy, super nice guy, has a really long beard, like Civil War era Duck Dynasty style <laughs> beard, which I mention because I, I think he probably looks quite different than anyone else Poppy has seen. And uh, I didn't know this guy was coming over. I wasn't particularly prepared, but he loves dogs and he, uh, he was willing to do a little bit of work with me and with Poppy. So as um, he and my husband sat and chatted, uh, I asked them to put themselves at like the farthest end of our, our deck. We have like an outdoor space. Um, <clears throat> which is like the biggest expanse of, of space uh, where there's like a straight visual line in our home. And um, I set myself up with Poppy as, as far as I could be from him. And I clicked and treated every time she looked at him like at a starting rate of maybe, I don't know, 10 times a minute even if she was barking. If she had her head up and was facing towards him, I clicked and treated. And it worked really well. I'd say within 20 minutes, she was not barking at all. She was happily looking at him and then looking back at me for a treat. And uh, even my husband was like, wow, this really looks like <laughs> magic. Uh, but had the baby strapped to me the whole time. Our older daughter was running around. And after doing it for like 20 minutes, even though Poppy was just doing so, so, so well, I felt like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. This is craziness. I, like I can't be a, the dog trainer I need to be to Poppy right now and be a mother to my two daughters at the same time. Just, just, there's not enough of me to go around. So I, I put Poppy in her crate. Uh, at that point, she um, had settled down a lot. And again, the crate is a comforting place for her. So that was overall um, a, good, a good trial. Although again, it made me feel like I wish I had <laughs> a professional trainer here who could just be focusing on Poppy while I'm dealing with everything else that's going on here. Another week or so after that, another friend of my husband's came by for a drink in the evening, and this time I, I, I thought about it in advance. I knew he was coming, and uh, I also at that point had made um, the decision that any new person coming into our apartment was gonna have to use the other door. 
And whenever possible, um, all of us in the household um, have been using that other door. I don't think we have to do that forever, but at least for now, um, because I think the door that the that uh, the guy came through, um, just the door itself became a trigger for Poppy. So Mark, uh, my husband's friend, came in. He came through the other door, but before he arrived, I had Poppy in her crate already. And when she was in a state that seemed pretty chill, I let her out. I had put up a baby gate uh, in the doorway between where Mark was and uh, the area where her crate was. So she still had full access to her crate. She could have gone back in there if she wanted. But I set up this baby gate and she was barking at him. Um, but again, I just started clicking and treating her actually for just approaching the gate at all. And after maybe 10 minutes of that, uh, I put her on a leash and brought her a little bit closer and again just started clicking and treating her for looking at him. And when that seemed easy for her, I sat on the couch next to him and then he started feeding her treats first by tossing treats at her and then she was eating out of his hand and within the span of about 45 minutes, she was literally in his lap licking his face like he was her long lost best friend. I think that that very successful experience was something of a milestone. I think that uh, she has been getting better and better since then. And I have also been doing the work to be as mindful as possible about setting up situations, not letting people come into the apartment uh, unless I am pretty well prepared to deal with her. I think it's, it's those moments where I was sort of taken by surprise where it felt extra difficult. Um, I also have been using a DAP plugin, a DAPDL, uh, dog appeasing pheromone. Uh, they make collars and sprays, but uh, I, I particularly like the plugin. We use them at School for the Dogs. We sell them at storeforthedogs.com. Uh, they're made to resemble the pheromone that's in dogs' mother's milk and um, can calm dogs down. Not sure it's working, but I think maybe it's working. Um, also, I've been giving her Soliquin supplements. Uh, it's a behavior behavioral health supplement that's made from um, L-theanine, which is what's in uh, like green tea and turkey, I think. And I've been using her crate more. The crate, like I said, is definitely a, a safe spot for her. And one other thing I've been doing, which might seem sort of counterintuitive, but I thought I would try it and then it seemed like it, it worked, is letting her run into the hall to greet people rather than having her greet people when they come into the apartment. I think letting her approach them outside of our home is helpful. Um, and something I, I haven't done, but I think uh, I should try, which I think would also be helpful, is meeting people outside and coming inside with them together. And you know, it's been kind of interesting watching like I said, watching other people's reactions to Poppy, like 
that guy who yelled at her on the street. Um, uh, or even my husband's way of dealing with her. Um, sometimes he just gets kind of frustrated with her and will like be rough with her, not in a way that's intended to hurt her, but like he'll just kind of push her off the bed or, or pick her up in a kind of not very subtle, sensitive way. And our old dog, Amos, was like kind of bomb-proof and unflappable. But this whole situation has made me a lot more tuned into how sensitive Poppy is, and I feel like I've had to become her advocate and really um, come down on him for uh, just sometimes being too rough with her. She needs to be treated with, with great sensitivity and care and she is easily spooked the other day i was playing with magnolia and she accidentally jumped on my foot really hard and i screamed and uh when i when i came to uh i realized poppy had run to the far far corner of the apartment and was cowering there licking her lips and um completely like curled up in a terrified ball and I don't know if that's because you know I screamed the time of the incident before I ran out of the apartment or uh, if it had nothing to do with that but um, that's the dog who she is now and we need to treat her in such a way that's going to help her be as um, unfearful in life as possible because um, there are certainly going to be more situations in the future that we can't necessarily control and you know people think oh well I know dogs you know even my husband I know she'll be fine I well I, I don't know if she'll be fine um, similarly uh, I have a, a uncle wonderful guy really like the first dog lover I ever knew I think maybe I've talked about him on the podcast before he had this dog named Elsa who's the first dog I really remember loving as a kid and he he loved her and he's had many dogs since then um and uh just a dog person through and through um but uh he you know, he has ideas about dogs that um, <laughs> I think are, are kind of wrong and uh, not, I mean, like benign, but still um, wrong. For example, uh, he's been over a couple times now since this happened with Poppy and, and, I, and Poppy was not, had met him before, but was not too familiar with him. So I think saw him as a, a new uh, potentially scary person and the first time he came over his reaction to her barking at him was to get down on all fours on the floor and um put a treat in his mouth as if she would uh walk up to him and uh grab the treat from his mouth and um you know, I had to say, uh, I think you're actually freaking her out more by <laughs> being on all fours on the ground than anything else. 
And uh, when I managed to get him to, you know, stand up and, and come sit on the couch where I think Poppy was a lot more comfortable with him, um, he, like, in trying to get her to feel more comfortable, um, put a paper bag on his head, at which point I was just like, I don't know what you're trying to do, but <laughs> just stop. Just stop doing that. You're definitely just freaking her out more. Although, again, it was sort of a moment where I wished that there was a professional dog trainer in the room that wasn't me, uh, if only because as a professional in that situation, I think it would have been easier for me to tell him to uh, stop doing what he was doing. Whereas, because he's my uncle and I knew he was trying to be helpful, um, it was a little bit. It was a little bit harder to, um, I don't know, like get into the headspace to explain to him why what he was doing was a bad idea, because I knew he was really trying to be helpful. Anyway. I have to stop being a dog trainer now and be a mommy to this little baby, so I guess I'll just end it on that note and say if um, a person having a mental episode ever wanders into your home and your dog freaks out, putting a paper bag on your head is not going to make them feel better. School, school for the dogs. Thank you so much for listening. And special thanks to Bill and Lizzie of Toast Garden for the amazing theme song. You can find Toast Garden at youtube.com slash toastgarden. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping at storefortheDogs.com. And you can learn more about us at schoolforthedogs.com. You can also connect with other listeners by downloading our brand new app. Just visit schoolforthedogs.com slash community.